Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins... I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. The story takes place in a very small town in the Mexican woodland area where everyone's houses had their own land for farming, animals, etc. It was back before the 1950s and a relative had suddenly and mysteriously passed away and this shocked the family since it was unexpected because the person showed zero sign of ever even being sick. So the next day they had the funeral and buried him in the backyard Something about the houses too in my family's town is that since they still had the old-fashioned outhouses, these outhouses would not be connected to the house. You would have to walk at least like 20 to 40 meters away from the house to use them. Now, late in the evening, the same day as the funeral, my mum's great aunt, who was a little girl at the time, needed to use the restroom. So she walked herself to use it and as she was walking near where they buried her uncle, she heard pounding and screaming coming from an unknown area. If you don't know about Mexican folklore, there's this legend of La Llorona, the crying lady, which everyone is desperately afraid of. My mum's great aunt, upon hearing this, ran back inside the house and woke up her mum and dad. They brushed her off and told her to just go back to sleep. As she was trying to fall back to sleep though, her mind kept on playing tricks on her as she kept on hearing the screams and the pounding. Later the same night, she needed to use the restroom again, but she was still too traumatized to go alone, so she woke up her older sibling to help walk with her. They have no issue with this, and they both make their way to the restroom. And as she's using the restroom, they both begin to hear the cries once again, and they both bolt back into the house and wake up their parents. Angered at first, but since it was the older sibling who was hearing the cries as well, the mom and dad left as if they knew what was going on. 
The dad goes to his brother's house down the lane and he wakes up his brother. The both of them go to grab shovels and begin to dig where they'd buried their recently deceased family member. It took quite a while until they were able to dig where the coffin was, but as they opened it, they saw that he was laying on his stomach now. The dad and his brother quickly turned the body over to his back and they all screamed at what they saw. There, they saw their relative covered in bloody claw marks all over his face, neck and arms. All along the coffin walls, they saw pounding marks and claw marks. It haunted my family knowing that they had buried him alive. He was now for sure dead due to most likely either a heart attack or from the lack of oxygen. My family doesn't know why he appeared to be dead when they first buried him, most likely due to the one sickness where someone appears to be dead, but in reality they're just in a, a coma-like state. Back when I was 18, my friends and I decided to go on a trip to some rural area to relax on our own for a couple of days. Luckily, my late grandparents owned a medium-sized house at a remote village, and there are plenty of those where I'm from. So I got the keys from my dad, and we packed food, water, and a first aid kit, and we headed out. It was a two-hour ride from the closest city to get there. The car dropped us off in the middle of nowhere and told us to walk in a straight line until we get to the village. After about 30 minutes of walking, we reached our destination, and it was nothing fancy, let me tell you, but... The village was definitely bigger than expected. Dogs, chickens, and goats roamed around freely. I was a city boy, so that sight was a first for me. But we got to my grandparents' house, settled in. We spent the first day of it just resting and decided to go to a spot that my father told me about tomorrow morning. We headed out at daybreak and we packed plenty of water. The spot was close by, so we didn't think to pack any food. After about... 30 minute walk I would say in the middle of a heavily wooded mountain mind you we finally got to our destination it was a beautiful area too with a huge tree and an amazing view but it wasn't enough for the five young idiots who came there to explore right so we kept moving forward just looking around and having fun but without realizing it we'd spent like an extra one and a half hours up there we were exhausted and, more importantly, we were hungry, so we decided to head back. We followed the trail, but we never really reached that big tree again, even after like an hour of fast walking. We began to panic a bit and went from fast walking to jogging, but for some reason, even though we should have been backtracking, we didn't make it to the tree again. And it was there that we spotted an old woman walking the trail. We quickly approached her, said hello and asked how close was the village. She looked at us weirdly and told us that we were walking the opposite way this whole time and that the village was like a three hour walk away. We were super exhausted by that point. Three of us could barely stand let alone walk for three hours. We explained to the old woman about our situation after she asked us and she offered us to rest at her place and apparently it was close by get a meal so we can get home safely. One of my friends, Adam, and I protested that it might be a bad idea to follow a stranger, even though we were in a rough situation. But between the hunger and the state of the others, we gave in and agreed. 
but we followed her towards her cabin, small with a tiny garden in front of it and a goat tied to a post next to the door. Overall, it was nothing out of the ordinary to be honest, not in these parts of the country anyway. We got in, sat down on these long sofas with no back support. She told us to wait while she got us some food. The cabin was surprisingly very clean. The tables, the chairs, the sofas were obviously old and worn out, but not dusty and overall the place looked really welcoming to be honest. However, Adam and I didn't fully drop our guard while the others were simply happy that they got a soft thing to sit on. Fifteen minutes later, she came out from the kitchen with two big plates of chicken and vegetables. There was a plate of salad and some olive oil and she poured us some tea and we dug in as she went back to the kitchen to prepare more. I was considering not eating at first, at least until I saw the others ate and they're still good but my hunger took over and I went right into it as soon as the plates hit the table. Adam, however, didn't. He didn't lay a finger on the food, nor the tea. He was really paranoid. He was always the most fit out of all of us, so he managed to hold back. She brought us two more plates of food that we cleaned up pretty quickly. She brought more tea and told us to rest and digest the food and leave whenever we felt like it. She then excused herself and she went to her room to sleep as she was tired of cooking. We got to relaxing and drifted off one by one to sleep as I set an alarm clock to ring after 30 minutes so we could move then and I was the last one to drift off talking to Adam who said that he was going to stay awake and look around for a bit before we move and after that all I remember is going to sleep. I was shook awake though by my friends who suddenly looked worried I snapped awake after I saw their faces and I looked around and asked them what was going on. But one of them points out the window and tells me to look. I didn't get it at first but then I noticed. It was sunrise. I almost had a heart attack. I thought that we'd overslept for a whole day but man it was so much worse. Adam was nowhere to be found. We went out of the cabin and called but there was no answer so I went back in to ask the old woman. I knocked on the door to the room that she went in before I fell asleep, but I got no response. The door wasn't locked though, so I decided to excuse myself and go in, and when I did, it was the first time since I went on this trip that I was now in full panic mode, because in that room, there was no bed. In fact, there was nothing, like nothing at all, just four walls and a door. The kitchen was the same as well. I ran to my phone to try and call Adam. The signal there was weak, but it still worked, but my phone was off. Dead battery. But it was around 70% when I fell asleep, so that didn't make any sense. All our phones were dead, so we got out and we started running on the trail towards the village while calling Adam's name. After a while, we met some people from the village, my grandparents' neighbors, and they looked almost scared when they saw us. And then... They dropped this bomb on all of us. Where have you guys been for the past three days? I was shocked to say the least. Apparently, I'd been missing for three days. My parents got concerned because I didn't answer the phone and called those neighbors to ask about me. They even reported me missing to the authorities. The whole village was looking for us for two days apparently and... We asked for help to find Adam, but after we told them about what happened, 
They took us to the local mosque so the imam could look into it. They thought that it was witchcraft. We went back there the next day with the same men from the village looking for Adam. We showed them the cabin and its surroundings and we looked for hours on end but there was just no sign of him anywhere. We eventually gave up when the police took over but even they couldn't find much. To this day, I still wonder what happened. I'm religious, but I just can't accept that the woman was a witch. Even if she was, I mean, why only Adam? Why not all of us? Is it because he didn't eat or because he went snooping around a cabin or something? A part of me wants to get back there so that I could uncover the truth, but every time I even think about this incident, I, I just get this crippling feeling. Obviously, we were questioned by authorities extensively and a lot of people suspected that we were the ones to blame, but where is Adam and what happened to him? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Last December, I fled an abusive relationship and I crashed with my friend Amy. She lives in an upper level duplex that is quite small and I stayed there for a while with my cat and dog, which was a lot as she has a dog also. Next door to the duplex is a cute old four bedroom house that is owned by Mark, a friend of Amy's who lives abroad. The couple who was renting out Mark's place bought a house and moved out recently so they suggested to me that it would be a great place to stay for a little while at least until I found my apartment. I was absolutely elated too and agreed immediately. Mine and Amy's dog could play every day and we could still see each other all the time. I was excited at the opportunity and paid Mark some rent but mostly he just wanted to help me out with my situation and someone to house it until he came home in May. I live in a very cold, snowy climate, so looking for a place in May is exponentially easier too. Now, Amy informed me that the house had quirks and a creepy basement, and told me if I ever felt creeped out in there, all alone like I would be, that I could come back over. She had lived in that house for a couple of years too, so I took her word for it. When one of the tenants showed me the place for the first time, I definitely felt something very off too. I chalked it up to the weird layout, the draft and the lack of sunlight in the rear of the house too. Upstairs was two bedrooms though and a bathroom in the middle. The front bedroom was warm and sunny and the rest of the upstairs was just very cold though. 
noticeably colder than the rest of the house in fact. Upon entering the back upstairs bedroom it felt like a downward shift though, like the energy in that room felt so strange and I felt like I just wasn't wanted in there. I know, sounds weird, but I barely looked around and just closed the door behind me. The first couple of weeks too, nothing much happened, but I just never felt at ease. I felt like I was being watched. I wrote it off as being easily spooked in a large house and it was my first time living alone too. But soon I started having trouble sleeping despite my room, the upstairs front bedroom, being the only place in the house that I ever felt at ease. One night though I decided to smoke and watch a movie in the living room kind of late at night. I fell asleep on the couch and woke up to what I swore was someone running up the stairs and then slamming the back bedroom door. My dog looked startled too and ran upstairs and started growling at the closed door. I quickly went up there to check it out, but no one was in there. Some nights after that too, I heard footsteps pacing in the back room. The next thing that started happening though was while I was in the bathtub in the upstairs bathroom. My dog would lay in the doorway and just stare at that back room. Sometimes he would growl or bark at it. I would also come home to find the door open when I had definitely shut it or I would hear my cat meowing to be let in the room. On a couple of occasions, I found my cat shut in that room too, and also around this time my bath towel went missing, and I looked absolutely everywhere for it but couldn't find it. All of this, it began to take a, a real toll on me too. I started having nightmares every night, and I would wake up almost every night to my dog whining between 3 and 4 in the morning. I always felt like I was being watched in the house and the whole thing just felt so heavy. I told Amy about all this and she confessed to me that she had some weird experiences in that house too when she lived there as well. Her bedroom was the back room and a couple of times she woke up in a sort of semi-dream state to a man at the end of her bed and began talking to it. She then woke up for real and saw texts from her roommate asking who she was talking to. She also would see things moving out of the corner of her eye, hear footsteps and feel like she was being watched. She told me of an instance of seeing footsteps in the snow going from the back door to the middle of the lawn and just disappearing. But one day, I was in the living room hearing footsteps and just felt so overwhelmed by the presence, I was crying and decided to have a go talking to it. I said, hey, listen... I know that this is your house too. I'm leaving in a month, okay? I've been through so much pain these past few months. Please, just, just leave me alone. Just let me know that you've heard me too, okay? And then the door upstairs slammed shut instantly. And that was the last that I'd heard of it for a while. What I mean is that my nightmare stopped... I started sleeping through the night and felt less of the presence, if that makes sense. One night though, I was hanging out with Amy in her backyard with our dogs and her downstairs neighbor, Sam, to celebrate me finding an apartment finally. I went back into my house for some more beers and to grab a sweater. I went to run up the stairs and standing there at the top of the stairs was what I can only describe as an opaque black silhouette. I couldn't make out any features, but 
It was as real as a person standing there. I screamed, and I ran back down and turned on the stairway light, only to find nobody there in the back room open. Finally, though, my move-out date arrived, and I felt so relieved to feel absolutely nothing in my new apartment. I did go back to the house one last time to check to see if I forgot anything, and there, right in the middle of the floor of the back room, was my bath towel, still slightly damp as if I just used it. I have no idea how it got there. I have no idea where it went all this time. One thing is for sure, I have not been back to that place since then. In 2001, I was about 17. My family moved to the coast because my father had just gotten a job in the area. Because it was a bit of an urgent move too, and the amount of rental properties that were available immediately were very few, we had to move into a three-bedroom house that needed some work. It was meant to be a temporary home until we found something more suitable, I guess, but we just needed to go to school and work in the meantime, and so we took it. The previous tenants weren't the tidiest of people, so we spent days cleaning while already living in the house. I remember my mother commenting that the house just didn't want to be cleaned too. We painted the walls, but stains would always appear, regardless of how many coats we applied to. We eventually had to carry on with our lives though, and it was only meant to be a temporary situation after all, so we didn't get too fussed about it. Being a teenager though and a middle child, I spent quite some time by myself in my room. Mostly I would listen to music at night while lying on my bed, relaxing before I would get tired enough to fall asleep. At one point though, something strange started happening. I would be lying on my bed with my eyes closed and I swear that I could feel the bed sink next to my feet as if someone was sitting down. I assumed it was my old cat jumping up on my bed but when I looked to see where he was so I could pet him, he wasn't there. I shrugged it off as nothing at the time, just my overthinking it. I thought that maybe I was just drifting off into sleep or something, but it happened again and again, and I soon realized that it was never my cat. In fact, I also noticed that my cat did never come into my room. None of our cats did. I started getting slightly concerned after a while. I mentioned it to my mum, thinking to myself that it sounded like nothing, a mere trick of the mind. I still felt uneasy though if I'm being honest. It was like there was something wrong, something I couldn't prove or even see. A nagging sense that I just wasn't alone in my room. I stopped sleeping with my curtains drawn. They were always open now. I needed the natural light coming from outside to feel safe enough to sleep, I suppose. And my concerns were confirmed one night that I still remember clearly to this day, almost 20 years later. So, I woke up, just suddenly terrified. I had an intense fear, unlike anything that I'd ever experienced before or ever since. And I couldn't move. 
There was also a tree outside of my room casting shadows on my cupboard, which was right in front of my bed. And somehow I just knew that there was something bad right there in front of me, among those shadows. I could feel it, like an overwhelming presence filling the space in front of me, an evil, threatening presence. I saw too that one of the shadows on my cupboard was moving, and this shadow was much darker and moved with intention is the only way that I can put it. As soon as I spotted it, I knew that that was the source of my fear. I did the only thing that I could to protect myself too. I prayed. After what felt like forever trapped, I was finally able to move. Still terrified, too terrified to go past my cupboard to the door right next to it, I hid under my blanket. Seventeen years old and hiding under a blanket like the boogeyman was under my bed. Eventually, I fell asleep in the early hours of the morning as daylight started coming through the windows. I know what sleep paralysis is and I'm convinced that this wasn't it. The fear that I felt that night as I hid in my bed, feeling like I'm not alone in my room, is something that I'll never forget. A month or two after the incident, my parents found a better place, thankfully. I was scared of my room until we moved, too. I always slept with my head under the covers and made sure enough light was coming into the room, and after we moved, it was like my family finally felt safe enough to speak about the darkness that we all knew was in that house. My brother told us about a dark figure that he saw moving through the corridor area in the kitchen. My father said that he saw a dark shape in the corridor near my room, but it was what my mother told me after we'd moved that shook me the most. She told me that when a family friend and his wife visited us and stayed in my room, he told my mother the following day that there was something evil in there. He was known for sensing the supernatural and seemed quite spooked to my mother as he was telling her this and I could see when she was telling me about this that she was spooked as well. When I asked her what he said exactly as I was recollecting my memories to tell this story, she said that he had just said that he didn't want to elaborate on it because if he did that he would never go into that room again. And well, that's not much better I thought. The family friend has since then passed away without ever really elaborating on what exactly he sensed in that house. My mother also told me that she heard that the couple that moved in after us had a priest come to cleanse the house too. I still am suspicious of every house that I move into after this, now with my own family, making sure to burn sage every so often. I just don't ever want to share a house with something evil like that ever again. Six years ago, I was a new mum, learning to balance my job, family, and health. My social life primarily existed on the internet at this time, and Facebook and Instagram were the main ways that I kept in contact with others. I received a friend request from Stephen, an old friend from high school, and I accepted, and everything was normal for a while. After a couple of months, Stephen sent a DM asking how I was, the conversation was fine, I guess, but it didn't take too long for me to realize that this wasn't the Stephen that I knew. They had the same first and common last name, 
His profile picture was not a picture of himself, so I never realized that this was a different person. Either way, we had several mutual friends and he didn't do anything especially creepy, so I left him on my friends list. He would occasionally message and chat and he just seemed like someone that was a bit socially awkward but harmless. I would always respond but kept the conversations brief. Now one day I got a text from him which really surprised me because I never gave him my number. I asked how he got my number and he said from my website, which was fair I'll admit. I'm an artist and had email and phone contact info on my art site. He began texting several times a day and I would give him short responses followed with something like, at work, talk to you later, or dinner with the fam, have a good evening. He started talking about his new boyfriend, saying that he was one of the few gay conservatives and things were going well. I told him that I'm glad that he has a partner that aligns with him and wish them well. He sort of then began talking a lot about conservative politics and was really aggressive about it. I told him that I was a liberal, so it was probably best that we didn't have these conversations. And it was at this point that his messages began turning sexual, where he would ask if I wanted to hear about the sex parties him and his boyfriend threw. I told him no, I didn't really know him and it was inappropriate. One day I was busy with work and returned to my phone to see dozens of messages from him, angry that I wasn't responding and he went on and on sharing very graphic sexual stories. I responded and told him that I'd been polite to him because he seemed like he didn't have many friends, but this was too much and I was blocking him. I told him that I didn't believe that he was gay, in fact, and he was just saying it in an attempt to make me think that he was harmless. I proceeded to block him on social media and I blocked his phone number too. A couple of days later though, I started getting lots of friend requests from accounts that I didn't have mutual friends with. I knew that they were probably fake pages that he was creating. I would block them and move on. Then I began getting phone calls and texts from fake phone numbers. Same thing, I would block them and move on. I messaged our mutuals to ask what they knew about him and surprisingly, none of them actually knew him. He had just requested them and they accepted apparently. And he began sending requests to my friends, family, and other women that I knew. I let everyone know that they needed to block him, and for months, not a day passed that I didn't get a weird call or friend request or DM or something. It would range from a normal, hey, how are you, to vague threats of, I could make you talk to me if I really wanted to. He lived several hours away, though, so I wasn't particularly concerned. And things got quieter. Until one evening, my notifications started going off like crazy and my phone was ringing with unknown numbers. It was on my art page too that probably 15 different accounts had posted well, explicit images on my page or things like OP is a whore or OP is a thief and things like this. I knew it was him too because he also accidentally posted from his real account. I didn't realize that I never blocked him from that page. He also sent a message to my art page saying sorry for that and he missed his friend and he was just trying to get my attention. I didn't respond. 
I just blocked him and I even called the police at this point. But since stalking and harassment laws are pretty much awful, they didn't do anything. Later that night though, I must have woken up at around 2 o'clock in the morning for no reason other than I was just having trouble sleeping. I was up for a while playing on my phone when I started hearing a strange sound coming from the living room. It was back and forth between quiet cracking and scratching and at the time we lived in a large ranch house and the living room was at the other end of a long hall. I got up thinking that my cats were into something or maybe after a mouse or something. I flipped on the living room light and the sound immediately stopped. I scanned around looking for my cats when I noticed an open window. Our windows were large from floor to ceiling and opened by pulling them down from the top and the top of the window still had pry marks and the lock, it was now broken. Thankfully, this house was old and the windows did not open easily and we had only been able to open it about 8 inches but I immediately woke up my husband, got my son out of his room and called the cops. I knew that it was Stephen too. It was too big of a coincidence that he blew up that day and then someone tries to break into my house in the middle of the night like that. We couldn't prove it was him, obviously. There was no evidence other than what happened that day that pointed to him. But the police did speak to him and I believe it scared him enough to leave me alone. I was obviously horrified at the time and I began looking up anything that I could to find out more about him. And... I wound up finding his YouTube channel, which solidified my fears even more. He posted Rush Limbaugh-style rants when he would get angrier and angrier until he was red-faced and nearly spitting. He frequently talked about violence and would show off his gun collection. This led me to finding out his real name, too. I googled his name and found that he had apparently been arrested two years prior for holding a woman against her will in a hotel and attempted to assault her. Thankfully, she was able to escape with just a bloody lip. We moved not long later and I removed my phone number from my site and locked down all my social media. I still sleep with a baby monitor in my son's room because I'm scared of someone coming in at night. His YouTube channel, it was shut down after a bit too and I haven't heard from him since. Myself and my mother were driving. Where? I can't really recall because it was a long time ago. But I do remember her pulling up to a stop sign. We seemed to be sitting at this stop sign for what seemed like the longest stop ever too. For a stop sign that is. I remember her looking both ways. She looked right and then she looked left. And then I remember her gazing at me from her rearview mirror. She had such a gentle smile upon her face as a loving mother would looking at her child with such love. But just then, her face went from joyous to complete worry and panic. I see her eyes pan from me to the seat next to me. I hear the back passenger door open. As I'm turning my attention from my mother to the noise of the car door opening, I see this man entering the car. He sits next to me and continues to tell my mother to drive. There was a, a different kind of vibe from this man though. He didn't seem to be pleased by either one of us in the car. 
Even the fact that he just hopped in the car with people that he didn't even know was weird. He seemed so very calm though. Said very little, but enough to get his point across. He had long salt and pepper hair, and at the time I thought that he had dreadlocks, but as an adult, I believe that his hair was most likely ratty from not brushing or washing it. His clothes were worn, torn, dirty, and dulled from the sun. I remember seeing his toes peeking out of these what were once black work boots. His jeans were tied together from where they had been torn and ripped. His skin seemed so badly sun-kissed and filthy from the lack of bathing. An odor was coming from this guy too that truly had my nose hairs curling. The smell filled the car and I could tell my mother could smell it too because she kept wiping the back of her hand across her nose. My mother told the man that she wanted him to get out of the car. Her voice, she was trying to be stern and demanding but she was such a kind-hearted woman that her yelling sounded like she was singing. So, of course, the man disregarded her chirps. He sat in the back seat and said, drive please, just up the way. I so badly wanted to glare and stare at this guy, but I didn't want to upset him too. I'm leaning as far as I can against my door with my head down and hands in my lap. I feel the car jerk forward. I can hear my mother breathing heavily, as she's obviously worried about this guy in the back seat with me. I can't say that I was really scared of him or anything. I guess I was just more curious as to how he could just so boldly get into a car with strangers and be so cool about it. I was always taught never to take rides from people that I didn't know. So where was he going I had thought? Where does he live? I can only imagine the things that were going through her mind as she's driving a complete stranger up the street with her kid in the back with him not even three feet away from me. The car continues to drive down the road a ways more. Then he leans forward from the seat, gazing out the window watching the scenery go by, his hand on the handle of the door. He says, here, and my mother quickly jerks the car to the dirt, the car skidding to gain traction to bring the car to a complete stop. His passenger door flung open and he bolts up and out from the car and he didn't even get a chance to close the door himself. My mother had sped off so fast too that the car slammed the door shut and then I hear the car doors lock. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, 
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.